1: touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. This is Jonathan Strickland, host extraordinaire.
2: And I'm Lauren Bolkbaum. I am uh, still here.
0: Yeah, she's host ordinaire.
2: <laughs> oh, Not snap.
0: true. She's just younger than I am, that's all. <laughs>
2: Oh, we're already breaking out the young old. I had discussions
0: but. about this all this week. Everyone was like, the best part about your new co-host is how she somehow works in a, uh, the element that you are, in fact, old. I <laughs> Yes, that is the best thing about her. Thank you so much. Moving and- on to something that's not old. It's relatively new. Do you like that? It's yeah, a, it's a segue. Yeah,
2: that was a, that was a good good transition. Jonathan. Yeah, when you
0: point them out, they're terrible. They so. are
2: excellent. But a, anyway, a plus making it bad. Thank
0: you. Carbon <laughs> nanotubes. That's what we wanted to talk about.
2: Yeah. Um, and for, first, we thought that we would talk a little bit about why carbon is cool because um, so so it's it's an element, right? It's
0: uh, incredibly. Uh, 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 popular element here on the planet Earth. I mean, it is. I mean, it's way up there.
2: It is, uh, it is, in fact, the fourth most abundant element in the universe by mass, um, after hydrogen, helium, and oxygen, and the second most abundant element in the human body.
0: Yeah, yeah, we are what is known as carbon-based life forms.
2: Yeah, um, and all of this is made possible because uh, carbon atoms are these nifty little hexagons made with six electrons. Um, they... Uh, uh,
0: they, they bond very easily with one another. Uh, actually, if they bond in a lattice structure, which is a hexagonal structure. Right. You have a sheet of that. So you've got a whole bunch of carbon atoms that are molecularly bonded to one another in this hexagon pattern. Here in the south, I like to call it chicken wire. <laughs> um, anyone who anyone who lives in any sort of rural environment who has seen chicken wire, that's kind of what a sheet of these carbon atoms in molecular structure look like. We call that sheet graphene. So let's ta- say you've got this sheet of graphene, which is essentially two-dimensional, right? Because... Atoms don't really have a lot of thickness to them. So they are, you're, you're talking about width and length. You're not talking about depth. I mean, that's, you know, one atom thick, that's thin enough to call it two dimensional.
2: Right. Yes, absolutely.
0: So, so you've got this sheet of graphene. Let's say then you roll the graphene into a, I don't know, burrito like structure. <laughs> it's not necessarily going to be filled with cheesy beanie goodness. Oh, can we though? Uh, you know, I, I kind of want a carbon nanotube burrito now. <laughs> I am craving burritos, like you wouldn't believe but but no, no it, it, it that's what we call a carbon nanotube. You take that sheet of graphene, this this hexagonal molecular structure of carbon, and this is just carbon you and you roll it up and that's a carbon nanotube but you know carbon is kind of an amazing thing anyway because carbon can take on so many different forms, right
2: right, yeah, I mean, it's what diamonds and graphite are both made of, and, and- those,
0: Totally different. Right? A little,
2: little bit. I mean, you know, that's you've got you've got the hardest substance, the hardest natural substance known on Earth.
0: Right, and then you've got what you put in pencils, essentially.
2: <laughs> so yeah, something soft enough that paper is is a...
0: <laughs> paper. Paper is its match, <laughs> right?
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so this is something that we call uh, allotropes. Now, an allotrope, you know, you're like, what the heck is that? Well, if you if you've studied chemistry, you know. So, I apologize to all the chemists out there who are screaming at me because I'm assuming they don't know what an allotrope is. <laughs> no, yeah. it's okay. I know you know.
2: Also, y'all can go just get a soda for the next about 35 seconds. Yeah. So,
0: an allotrope is any of two or more physical forms in which an element can exist. So, you we have these elements that can exist in different. Physical forms, and carbon is a perfect example. Lauren was just pointing out, diamond versus versus a a graphite. So you've got these two very different kinds of forms, but they're still the same basic element. Uh, Well, carbon nanotubes are very similar in that way, and we'll talk a bit more about the different uh, properties that carbon nanotubes can have and why they can have different properties. But we need to lead up to that. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, th- this entire carbon nanotube business was uh, discovered in 1991 by uh, Sumio Iijima, I believe is the way that you pronounce it. Um, mm. Apologies to my Japanese teacher. Um, <laughs> although uh, uh, research into, into creating these sheets of graphene stretches back into the 1950s. Um, and all of these are, there are actually two processes for making them. One of them I'm not extremely familiar with, and it's written all the way down at the bottom of my notes, so we're going to cover that one later. Okay. That's, a, that's a wet application. The, uh, the The general way of making carbon nanotubes is a dry application, and you um, thermally strip carbon atoms off of carbon-bearing
0: compounds. Wow. That sounds Complicated, (laughs) or at least violent.
2: Uh, Violent, violent at an an atomic level that is extremely violent.
0: Interesting. Yeah, and uh, so
2: this is well. This is what produces these these extremely these atom thin sheets um, that that you then roll into a tiny tiny tube. And by tiny tiny, I mean about a nanometer or two in diameter. Right. Um, And just you know just to just to recover this a nanometer is one millionth of a millimeter. So it's one billionth of a meter, so it's small.
0: Right. And then you, uh, at least for the longest time, uh, these these carbon nanotubes could be at most, about a millimeter long. Now, that's changed recently.
2: Right, right. But, and, but, I mean, even a millimeter long is pretty impressive because that's that's a million times as long as it is wide. Right. That's, I mean...
0: That aspect ratio is is incredible. I mean, it's one of the things that really made carbon nanotubes uh, uh, a fascinating thing to look at because you're thinking, if you're looking at the dimensions, by one dimension, this is incredibly tiny, and by the other, in comparison, it is ginormous. I mean, <laughs> think about <laughs> it's it. It's the think, technical term. Think if you saw a bus... That was a million times longer than it was wide.
2: Or or, or long cat, if long cat were so long that it were a million times longer.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Lauren, for bringing it directly into an analogy that is relatable to everybody. (laughs) I was going with the bus. What was I thinking? I was mostly thinking I would not want to be behind that bus. I bet they would make really wide right turns. Look,
2: we're we're on we're on the internet, okay? We if we don't incorporate cats into the conversation, we're we're gonna
0: be fired. You're right, we're lost. No. But anyway, yes, this is one of those amazing properties of uh, of carbon nanotubes. The other thing that I find really interesting is that carbon nanotubes will uh, have very different properties depending upon how they are rolled right because uh, it's mostly the direction of the roll so it, it really is the how the those hexagons I was talking about in the graphene how they are aligned in comparison to the actual roll of this sheet uh, and depending on how you do it it can behave like uh, like a metal so mm-hmm. a conductor. Right. So it will conduct electricity. But if you roll it a different way, like at a slightly different angle, and if you guys are having trouble visualizing this, just take a sheet of paper and roll it along the short side or roll it along the long side or roll it along the diagonal. Right. These are all the different kinds of ways you can roll sheets of graphene and you get different properties. So you roll it one way. It acts metallic like a conductor so it's conducting electricity. You roll it another way it acts like a semiconductor which means that in some situations it does conduct electricity and in other situations it acts as an insulator. This gives it an incredible flexibility as far as applications are concerned. You can use it in all sorts of electronic applications which we'll get to
2: right, in right. a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, and it also depends on what kind of you can roll them into all kinds of different interesting shapes um, uh, using using an atomic force microscope. Uh, also called scanning force microscopes, which are which are things that have these these tiny bitty little nanometer probes on the end of them, and you can use them to basically poke around a nanotube until it's
0: the right shape. The right shape it's, for, for your process. This yeah. is pretty amazing. I mean, we're talking about manipulating things that are just slightly larger than the atomic scale. Right. I mean, it, it's something that's really difficult to to visualize. Now there there are some neat ways of kind of getting an idea of how precise we can be these days, my favorite, and we've talked about it on the Tech Stuff podcast in the past, my favorite uh, uh, illustration is that IBM, uh, several years ago, used a similar type of microscope mm-hmm. to manipulate individual atoms to spell out IBM <laughs> on a silicon <laughs> wafer.
2: That is delightful.
0: Yeah. So you're talking about being able to, when, when we're able to manipulate individual atoms, then obviously this is we've got this level of precision that to me is mind-boggling i mean it's really exciting yeah. but some of the other properties of carbon nanotubes is again depending upon the way you 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 roll these tubes it can be an incredibly strong material stronger and lighter than say steel
2: yeah hundreds of times stronger than
0: steel yeah according to uh, to to some well you know here's the thing there's a theoretical Limit to the tensile strength of carbon nanotubes, of course. And then there's the limit that we've actually seen, M- butted up against, yeah. right, yeah. right. And and as we get better about creating nanotubes, then those two numbers get closer together, right. Sure. But in general, in the experimental phase, you might not see as incredible a display of strength as you would expect when you start running the numbers via you know math. Yeah. <laughs> but for for an example, you could take a a cable that if you were to cut the cable and look at and measure the diameter, you're talking about like a, a one millimeter diameter mm-hmm. of this cable, a, a- Nanotube of that size could hold approximately 6,400 kilograms or 14,000 pounds.
2: And that's, and, and, and a millimeter, I mean that's, that's what, like, like about the width of a human hair?
0: Well, a millimeter oh, would be one millionth of a nanometer. That- <laughs> one million times the size of a nanometer. <laughs> that really brings it into perspective. That, that I said one does. million, then I ruined my own Thank- joke. No- <laughs> To be fair, I'm not working on very much sleep right now. I
2: think I think a millimeter is, is about is about the size of a head of a pin, actually. Yeah, so, yeah. So a hair, a human a hair is you.
0: like a few uh, hundred thousand nanometers. Okay, sure. Uh, depending upon the person's hair, because human hair well, comes in a, variety, a variety of, of diameters. Pigments, sure. Yes. But but yes, I mean the point being that you're talking about an incredibly thin cable that could hold a, an amazing amount of weight, considering the dimensions of the cable. Right. Now, uh, granted, again, this is theoretical. You know, when we talk about real carbon nanotubes and the real experiences we've had, it's a little bit different from that. But the potential there is to build certain types of materials, uh, certain types of products using this stuff that can have fantastic properties. And uh, that just to be clear, we're saying stronger than steel, that's really mostly tension strength. When you're talking about um, other types of impact, because carbon nanotubes are hollow, uh, they can buckle. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you have just somehow you have managed to make one carbon nanotube that's you know Lauren height. Yeah, totally. And then you have a force. Uh, impacting that along the side of the carbon nanotube. So it's not pulling on the nanotube. It's pushing against the side. Pushing right,
2: right into the chewy center. Right.
0: Yeah. You well, know, That chewy center might just buckle and the carbon nanotube bends, and you think, well, that was... You know. <laughs> but, but it's the same sort of thing like saying the strength of a rope. The strength of the rope is how much weight it can pull. It can pull, yeah, not... Pushing against the rope. The middle of The middle of the rope. That doesn't make any sense, right?
2: Unless it's been pulled taut and that's a whole different version of physics that we would need to get into. Right, right.
0: Exactly. But but that's one of the other things to to keep in mind is that even though it is an incredibly strong material and theoretically one of the strongest materials we've encountered – Uh, That's only in specific use cases. It's not like you would build a carbon nanotube wall and it would be immune to everything else known to man.
2: (laughs) Right, Uh, right.
0: Although I'm sure there are ways you could do that, like maybe with some sort of woven fabric made out of carbon nanotubes. But an individual carbon nanotube, it's not the case. Right. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. And now we'll return. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to our regularly scheduled tech stuff podcast. <laughs>
2: All right, so um, so there are there are many many applications that these nanotubes can be used for. Uh, like like we mentioned before, uh, their engineers are looking at incorporating them into building materials, uh, perhaps for vehicles. I mean, imagine if you had a vehicle that was six times lighter than than the cars that are running around today.
0: Right, you, that and that. If you're wondering why you would want a light car, one reason is that it means that you don't have to use as much fuel to push that car around. Right, a lighter car means less work for the engine to do. If the if the engine has to do less work, it, it theoretically needs less fuel. So we could end up uh, with cars that are still gas-powered but end up requiring far less fuel, have greater efficiency so than we have now. Yeah. Or we could, of course, use it in other, like, uh, hybrid cars. And, you know, you're again, you're placing – or even electric vehicles. You're or something like an airplane demand.
2: or –
0: yeah. Yeah, there's some great uh, – and airplanes would be fantastic because – as anyone has pointed out, if you're talking about someone who's who's green conscious mm-hmm. and they're trying very hard to live a green friendly lifestyle. And they
2: basically need to avoid airplanes yeah, entirely. One
0: flight on a plane and you have just like, you know, you're essentially erasing any good you're doing with your entire, <laughs> you know, green life at home. And that's, yeah. that's just a hard reality of what it takes to, to, to fly to a plane. To move, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's a great example. You actually pointed out something else, a future use of this technology could be something that we did an episode of Tech Stuff about uh, a few years ago, space elevators. Space
2: elevators. Yeah, these are these are really nifty things. If you guys have not heard of this, um uh you, you should have by now. You're a bad Tech Stuff listener. Um,
0: but, um... <laughs> but that's okay cuz you can fix that. We still love you.
2: Yes. Yes. No. No. I. <laughs> I just. I, I. had to. I had to uh, uh, moderate a, a Facebook thread the other day. I'm. i I'm, being the social media here at How Stuff Works. I. Um, if people are, are being jerks on Facebook, they. I'm the one who has to clean it up. So yeah. don't be jerks on Facebook, y'all. Um. <laughs>
0: <but> <laughs> uh, it's a very special episode of Tech Stuff, ladies and gentlemen. But no, uh, uh, a space elevator.
2: Uh, space, space elevator. No. No. Well, I mean, okay. My. 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 The point of my story here. I've, I've started to stutter. Excellent. Um. The point of my, of my story was that, uh, you shouldn't be a jerk on Facebook. No, no, I had a point. My point. Well, let me, let me, let me at least
0: explain what a space elevator is. How about that? Cause okay. I, I'm dying right. to hear can it. And I can, I can at least give it a shot. So let's say, let's, let's say you put an object into orbit, stationary orbit around the earth. Okay. So it has to be, uh, it's, uh, the object is sort of a counterweight. Essentially, uh-huh. so you've got a counterweight orbiting the Earth, and the thing connecting the counterweight to Earth is a very uh, strong cable. And you use uh, this elevator, which is essentially attached to the cable, to transport in, uh, anything. Really, it could be people, although cargo would be a lot easier than people because with people you got to worry about I don't know keeping them alive and stuff, moving them too yes. much. Yeah, or That's not. Bad. I guess if we're moving Fort. dead people, it's okay. <laughs> Like if we want to have a space cemetery out there
2: yeah
0: uh, I wouldn't mind that except that I, I actually plan on donating my body to science fiction uh, so the uh, the yeah you have an elevator that has this counterweight out there okay you're just picking I'm, up no, on that no,
2: no I'm, I'm with you I'm with okay. you keep and <laughs> keep going
0: so the elevator can travel up the cable the the nice thing about this is the Based on this design, you might be using things like lasers to actually power this elevator. Uh, the elevator wouldn't have things on it like thrusters, like rocket thrusters, the way we would with a, a traditional rocket ship to get stuff into space. It would mean that it would take uh, uh, less energy, in theory, to deliver payloads to outer space, and you wouldn't have to worry about problems like uh, uh, uh a catastrophic failure when you're talking about propellants that can be incredibly dangerous under the wrong conditions.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. So, and and also I mean just like we were saying if you if you take one airline flight you're basically erasing the entire good that you've done on your carbon footprint all year. Uh, you know the co- the cost of a launch in terms of fuel and and just people and manpower is is $10,000 per pound. That's yeah. $22,000 per kilogram. That's a bunch.
0: Yeah, so you've got you've got this need to find a cheaper way to get stuff into outer space if in fact we want to...
2: Do that thing. Yeah, do that thing. Which we do. I mean, I do. Yeah,
0: because there's lots of fascinating stuff out there, Space is cool. So space elevators are a good way of doing that but one of the problems is that how do you create a cable that's going to be strong enough and small enough to make this a reality? And carbon nanotubes might very well be the way uh, that we solve that problem. Now, for a long time Everyone said, okay, well, here's the barrier. The barrier is that We've got this
2: unobtainium. We've got this. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. We can make carbon nanotubes, but they're a millimeter long at most. And so we'd have to make a whole bunch of them and tie the ends together, teeny little bows in order to make a big, long one for a cable, but...
2: Relatively ineffective.
0: Yeah. So we'll get into some some new forms of uh, manufacture that have made that less... Of a problem, but even now we're still talking about this is science fiction as far as we're concerned. It's it's feasible, but not possible given our technology right now. Right
2: now, yeah. But
0: there are other applications that uh, we could use carbon nanotubes in, including things like uh, like conductive plastics. So we could make electronics out of plastic materials and run carbon nanotubes through the plastic, creating them uh, a, a conductive layer so that you can actually make uh, products even smaller than they are today.
2: Wow, yeah. So
0: instead of having a casing... That is covering up the electronics. The casing would be part of the electronics. You could have, oh, wow, you know, a credit card thin smartphone.
2: Yeah, yeah, that would that would turn Moore's law right on its pointy head.
0: Yep, yep. So there's some pretty neat stuff that uh, could potentially happen. We also could have things like smart fabrics, so clothing that could have carbon nanotubes in it that might do things like monitor uh, conditions. Like it could it could end up uh, powering various sensors. This would obviously be very important in uniforms like. Space suits or first responders' outfits for things like firefighters, things yeah. like that, you know, things that that could benefit from this. But even from a more consumer standpoint, we could even have, I don't know, like clothing that tells you how active you are and whether or not you're getting enough exercise.
2: And don't even have to put on a speedometer or a little Nike Fit wristband. Right, or you, you'd
0: be fine. You, you, you just, you know, you put on your clothing and that tells you. Or it may say things like, for... Heaven's sake! Wash me. (laughs) You know that that goes out to everyone I went to college with. No. (laughs) Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable, high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT and T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road, and AT and T will be there to keep you connected. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Are there other clothing applications, I mean, maybe not so much for daily use, but uh, but carbon nanotubes could be used to create some really terrific body armor.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, again, we're talking about that incredible strength. And if it's woven the right way, you're talking about something that could have uh, a great applications for anyone who might be in military or law enforcement uh, to provide a level of protection that is really you know unheard of at this point. I mean, we've got some great Technology out there to keep people protected, but this would be a step of a huge step above that. Assuming that we were able to uh, to find the right way of weaving it, you know, part of the problem here is that we're talking about a material that's still a little challenging to manufacture, especially in mass quantities. But there have been improvements in. Carbon nanotube manufacturing processes very recently.
2: Yeah, actually, um, we were we were and you know we're recording this in early January, um, 2013, and actually just today the internet told me that um, that Rice University has announced a um, macroscopic, hundreds of meters long, mass producible carbon carbon nanotube thread.
0: Yeah, this is this is incredible news because again, before we were talking about nanotubes that were a millimeter long, and that was considered huge. Now we're talking hundreds of meters. That is such a, an enormous leap that it, it boggles my mind. And it's all through this this wet method that they use to manufacture carbon nanotubes.
2: Yeah, a wet spinning method in which, um, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to read this directly from my notes, which is probably a terrible thing to do, but uh, in, in which clumps of nanotubes are dissolved in a bath of some acid stuff squirted through small holes to create long strands. And then the strands are uh, wound into a big spool until they dry out.
0: That's pretty incredible. So really, the way I understand that is that we have dissolved the carbon nanotubes until they're essentially a liquid. You put them into what is essentially a nozzle. You squirt it out in what is essentially like a giant icing thing (laughs) for your favorite kind of cake.
2: Uh And
0: you get this long string of carbon nanotube. That's uh, exactly the way you want it to be until you get the uh, you spool it up and there you go you got a hundreds hundreds of meters long carbon nanotube yeah
2: it's it's the thickness of a human hair um, uh, and and not like I've, I was saying earlier that, that you know that's that's big that's a bunch of a bunch of uh, space yeah. things I <laughs> measurements of stuff yeah it's um, much
0: much larger than say you know a, a single carbon nanotube would normally be you know again one billionth of a, a of a meter in diameter it's larger than that
2: yes uh, and there, there's video in, on the internet of, of an LED lamp being both suspended and powered by this thread
0: right so so the it's this tiny like human hair width cord. That's holding a a light bulb and the light bulb is lit because power is is going, it's going through yeah. and and it's it it's completely suspended that way so you think about that and you're like all right, so we've got this very thin, very strong stuff that can provide power across it. This could revolutionize electronics.
2: Oh, absolutely! And there's also there's also been a bunch of research into health applications for this. Um, it can be used as a delivery system for drugs and vitamins because uh, carbon nanotubes are are so bitty that they can they can really get in there. You know, they you can you can attach you can attach stuff to them and send them in through things and and be really effective as, a, as an antioxidant. Um, they naturally pick up free radicals in uh, in blood systems, I used
0: to do that in college too.
2: Oh my! Um, <laughs> you can uh, one of one of the really cool bits of research that I saw um, had people um, sticking an antibody onto the end of a nanotube, um, and then uh, letting a blood sample pass through it. And different kinds of uh, tumor cells or viruses will get trapped by that antibody, and then um, so you can you can test for all kinds of things without having to do any expensive lab work in the field in a couple hours.
0: Interesting. Of course, this also leads to a dark discussion <laughs> in that carbon nanotubes may also be, uh, depending upon their their uh, structure, may be extremely hazardous to our health. And uh, there are a couple reasons for this. One is that when you're talking about things that are on the nanoscale, their properties change fairly dramatically. You can have materials that act as conductors in the macro scale, but on the nanoscale, they might be insulators. Mm -hmm. You also may have things that on the macro scale are perfectly safe, but on the nanoscale are toxic. And one of the things that concerned people fairly early on in the research of carbon nanotubes and has been studied extensively since then is that carbon nanotubes, depending, again, on the, the specific structure that you've designed for them, Bear a striking resemblance to this substance called asbestos,
2: <laughs> and and for, for for those youngins out there, this was a asbestos is a substance that used to be used in a lot of insulation. Um, yes,
0: it's fire retardant.
2: Fire retardant, which which is great. Yeah. I mean, that's you know less fire, good.
0: Yes, yes, fire fire bad, as Frankenstein's <laughs> monster taught us.
2: However, um, uh, you know, th- it was made up of these of these small pointy particles that um, that people would aspirate. And yes. it would get stuck in the linings of of your lungs and your other internal organs, yeah. and cause uh, cause lesions and methylithiomia. No, that was not the word. Nope. Meso- mesothelioma.
0: Yes, yes, yes. That's, it's a form of. I can speak. Uh,
2: it's a form of cancer.
0: Cancer that the, the lining around your organs. That's specifically what what we're talking about here. But but more specifically, the lungs, because you would breathe in these particles, and they're small enough so that they can uh, they can infect a cell. Essentially, they, they can uh, uh, they can penetrate a cell. That's right. the best word for it, penetrate a cell. But they are large enough so that the body's immune system cannot easily get rid of them, which is why it becomes a very dangerous substance. And uh, the carbon nanotubes bear some physical resemblance to those needly pointy fibers. Now, According to at least some research, uh, I was reading one r- uh, report that was kind of interesting, and I cannot pretend that I follow it completely because my my medical knowledge is uh, uh, plucky and adventury. No, wait, I'm sorry, that's my military knowledge. Um, I'm the very model of a modern tech stuff podcaster. The it, it was from an uh, an online library. It's actually from the Cancer and Aging Handbook, and uh, the the study suggested that carbon nanotubes could penetrate cells but they did so in a different way than asbestos particles did like huh. they both could penetrate cells and they both could cause similar outcomes so in other words there is some evidence that carbon nanotubes could in fact be carcinogenic okay uh, but they do it in a different mechanism like there's a different uh, mechanism for how they are uh, they get enveloped by other cells Or by cells, I should say, not other cells, but by cells. And so the research actually suggests that there might be ways of creating carbon nanotubes where they do not behave in this way, where they are incapable. Instead of causing
2: cancer, they just kind of hang out.
0: Right. And and that's one of the other problems about carbon nanotubes is they have this… Biopersistence, meaning that if they are inside a biological entity, they do not tend to break down.
2: Right. They're, they're so strong and sturdy.
0: Yeah. They don't react. They're non reactive when it comes to that, too. So you don't have it just, you know, decompose into some other material or get, uh, absorbed and then, you know, they're harmless. That's the problem. They don't do that. So, uh, but there might be ways of, of engineering carbon nanotubes so that they are not, uh, hazardous right. but, and also all the research I've read has suggested that it's not that we shouldn't go into making carbon nanotubes
2: yeah yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's most people are saying that yes it's a danger but these things are so useful that we we almost can't afford to to not continue researching them and that most most of the uh, most of the danger comes to people who are going to be working in um, development development labs creating them um, and that there are definitely lots of different uh, air filters and other precautions that could be used to to lessen the danger to to these important workers.
0: Right. Um, And, And that ultimately we may find ways of creating these as, you know, so safely that it becomes a non issue. Right. Um not that you know we can ignore it that's the important part is don't ignore the fact that there's a danger no. but but understand that there may be ways of working around that so that we minimize the danger to ourselves while maximizing the benefit that these things could provide us. Yeah. So yeah, uh I mean it's it's you know one of the things that definitely we have to keep in mind about technology i mean just like your computer at home assuming you have one has material in it that can be extremely toxic if you are if you're exposed to it directly yeah but computers are incredible benefit too it's just that it's under specific circumstances that you can become very dangerous like let's say you catch it it catches on fire sure that kind of thing yeah or you're taking it apart to try and uh, harvest the the various uh uh metals and and minerals that are inside your computer and
2: you look all the parts
0: that would be a bad thing to do <laughs> don't do that <laughs> so yeah i mean it's just one of those things where you got to keep in mind the various scenarios and uh and and remember to uh to treat it carefully so um guys if you're out there playing with carbon nanotubes just you know be careful okay yeah. <laughs> I don't leave know it, what you do in your spare time. Leave
2: Leave it to the professionals. Yeah, for that's now. Probably a good idea. I think it's is probably the important important thing there.
0: But I find this this whole area of study very interesting. I mean, it it does have the the potential to completely revolutionize everything that has to do with electronics. I mean, you sit there and you think about how incredible things are right now. Go and go to uh, like CES one year hmm. and take a look at a TV and you see how thin they've become. Well, with this sort of technology, they could be. Even, even you know, so thin that when you mount it against a wall, you wouldn't be able to see the difference between the wall and the TV. Wow! I mean, that's that's how thin we're talking. Basically,
2: basically a sticker.
0: Just yeah. Bink. I mean, it's going to take a while before we ever get there, sure. but we can at least get to a point where it's going to look like a piece of paper against yeah. the wall. I mean, so uh, yeah, it's it's exciting stuff. I can't wait to see what happens. Me neither. Groovy. Well, we are of the same mind.
2: Excellent. For once.
0: Yes. <laughs> Never happen again. Guys, write it down. <laughs> so I suggest if any of you out there in our podcast listening world have suggestions for topics that Lauren and I should cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff.
2: And argue about.
0: Yep. That'd be great. Send us a message. You can write us. Our email address is techstuff@discovery.com or hey, Our social media guru can pick it up if you uh, happen to (laughs) drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. Go to Facebook, go to Twitter, look for TechStuffHSW. That's the handle we use at both those locations. Lauren and I will argue again really soon.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit
2: HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot
1: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.